previously on Tales of Asperon. I wasn't even there when, no, the, no, no, when no, the guy no. was killed, okay? Haley deflates and just falls on the floor. Haley's been following the tracks of this so-called hero, the man he thought was going to be the start of his journey to finding a story to go home, and learns that he's a murderer and a thief. It's, it's just too much. From this crystal and a luminous gold light, so bright you can't even look at it, erupts from the tree like a flare. Can I get everyone to roll me 2d8? Your vision goes so white hot that you just pass out on the ground and you watch your allies fall down unconscious. Welcome back to Tales of Asperon. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast. Now, what does that mean? We sit down at our desks, pretend to be someone we're not, and record it all to share with you. Then, we put out an episode every other Friday. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. And the best part of it all is that we have no idea what will happen next. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. This just means that sometimes we roll some dice to figure out what happens next in the story. Roll high? Great! Everything goes in your favor. Low? Maybe your hair turns into feathers, or you take a nice big bite of one of those fake styrofoam apples you find at like a dinner party for decoration? I wonder what will happen this week. Definitely not the feathers thing, I promise. Let's roll the dice and find out. Together. So my first Haley question, between me and you, we know where he's from, but why is he traveling? This is more for the audience than it is for me. Haley was born to be a guardian of the library, but he had always had a tendency to sneak in and organize the library in his own chaotic way. After being told not to so many times, the tribe had decided that he is probably better off finding stories for the library than guarding the library. So to expand on that a little bit, um, I know you're basing some of Hele's like culture. You said you wanted to lean towards this like kind of Hawaiian like Islander feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it'd be really interesting if most libraries have books, right? The stories that yep. your people collect, if you think of back to like Moana, all these like beautifully inked tapestries that are like illustrations that tell a story. So like rather than it just being a library full of books, it's a library full of these kind of illustrated scrolls. And each one tells a story that was hopefully true, found on the mainland and then brought back. How do you feel about that? Well, I always saw it as they're each not just like books, but they're kept in the condition that they're found in. Oh, so it's more like an archive, like they're collecting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So like some civilizations had them on scrolls. Some made books. Some have, you know, magical means of recording. Okay, so it's it's essentially this giant library of stories and books that they have physically taken from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Preferably not by force, but that always worked out that way. Okay. In his search for stories, is he looking for anything in particular? Or 
his favorite were always those of like a grand hero's adventure, one with like a bibliography of sense instead of like a town or whatever nonsense. He always preferred ones archiving what a hero did from place to place. Okay. I like that. So it's like, um, they might be true. They might not, but the fact that they exist and they're like these big whimsical adventurous tales, like immediately catches Haley's attention. Mm -hmm. Why Haley's going to have a lot more fun with, uh, Tedward. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're gonna have to wrestle that book from him. Oh, it'll be fun one day. One day. Um, that's that could be a potentially great interaction in the future. Um, <laughs> my next question. Um, Haley's family, because he lives on this island, it's pretty isolated. Does he have any siblings? Is he like an only kid? I never thought of that actually. Huh. I'm gonna say Haley has one much younger sibling. Like Haley was about eight, like about of age, if not of eight. So this one was like. A, a young child. Okay. So like pre-toddler-ish or like toddler roughly. Yeah. Okay. Is he close with his family? Well, Haley was very close with his family until they had to send him away. He was just annoying them too much. Mm-hmm. Why did you put the spoons with the knives? Why did you do this? Yep. Never fills up the ice trays. It makes sense. It made sense. So is this chaos influenced by, this is kind of the next talking point, his magic? I don't think the listeners have seen this yet, but... Haley is you know, innately a wild magic sorcerer. Weird things can happen when you're casting your magic. Um, mm-hmm. Is this something that he was taught or was it something that sort of manifested itself? So Haley's never seen it as chaos. It's always been something that's innately there. And based on like the weird organization for him, that, that would make sense. You know, if it's, mm-hmm. if it's unorganized and kind of haphazard and crazy, it feels organized to him. Yep. Since sorcerers get their magic um, when they're young, how old do you think Haley was when he first started like exhibiting magic? I would assume it was probably right when he got his first, you know, told he was going to be first um, guard in the library. Okay. He's probably with with one of his other relatives, father or uncle or mother, doing the first guard duty, and he got bored and just used, you know, out of like kind of wanting it, made him to take a book off the shelf. Oh, so he like was like, I want that book. And the book just kind of flew mm-hmm. off the shelf to him. Oh, that's really cool. So upon like getting your magic, he was, you know, oh, he's magical. Now we ha- he should be a guardian of our, our library, our archives. And then he started doing that. And they didn't, they didn't like his way of organizing. So they've enlisted him to do this, you know, go find stories and bring them back. Mm-hmm. I've kind of come up with a name for that. Wayfinders. They leave yep, this place and good. go, yeah, they leave this place, they go out, they find stories, and they bring them home. Tonight, our tale begins long before Haley witnessed Silas fending off a group of robbers, and long before he learned that his would-be hero wasn't who he seemed at all. A few days sail from the eastern shores of Asperon sits a small island. On its black sand shores, the water laps playfully onto the beach. Deep in the ocean, a guardian of this quiet home prowls the open water, safeguarding the stories of the mortal race. Um, now, I kind of had this image in my head. You had mentioned that you wanted Haley to kind of show that he didn't feel like he had a place here, like something was off. Um, yeah, that's why he always enjoyed the books of the heroes that did journey and did do more things in different towns, never settled really down. Um, the last thing... Haley remembers is 
defeating the beast of white leaf inside this large open clearing with this super tall corrupted birch tree at its epicenter and after some quick thinking between you and your companions you manage to restrain this beast and from that you learn that it protects this corrupted grove and it has been feeding things to the tree to extend its own life feeling pity for it you the four of you stopped your assault on it and began to investigate the great birch tree, which you believe to be the source of this corruption. You purified it after finding Emun Thistledown. And mm. while you were standing in this clearing, keeping watch on this dragon, um, your allies came out and you saw this cyan flame roll over the tree and all of the blackened corruption upon its branches and its bark slowly burned away to reveal a healthy birch tree underneath. And at its core, this large black crystal shard shattered. And a brilliant golden light exploded from the tree and washed across all of you. And as you felt your wounds stitching back together, this power, this sensation was too much for your bodies to bear. And one by one, each of you fell unconscious. And then... After some time, a period of darkness. Halo, you smell the familiar scent of salt water. And you open your eyes to find yourself lying on the cool sand, the cool black sand of the shores of your island home. And across the ocean ahead of you rippling, you can see the bright orange glow of a, of a sunrise slowly bringing light and this warmth to the island as it does every day. Um, at your feet, you can feel the playful tide of the ocean lapping up against your feet. What do you do? I rub my eyes, try to cover my cowlicks, uh, just kind of walk out, walk across the beach, or walk outside. Every time one of your cowlicks go down, another one pops up in a different mm -hmm. spot. Um, it's almost perpetual for you, but you stand up on this beach and in the distance, you can see there's a section of the water where the waves are churning much more than normal. And the tide at your feet is abnormally calm for this early in the morning. And off in the distance, you hear a billowing horn echo through the, um, the jungle landscape of this island. And Hele knows that, that horn as the summons for his teachings. Um, can you roll me a perception check? Sure, sure. Uh, perception is 17. With a 17, as you turn back towards the, the jungle and you see the path that led you to this little secluded on spot on the beach, um, you don't necessarily remember walking down it, but it feels familiar to you. And off in the distance, you see a large spray of water come from the ocean behind you as you turn. And deep off in the horizon, you see them. It looks almost like an island. Um, and this is likely one of the few times you've seen the creature that guards your home, the dragon turtle. And the, you see this island that it looks like it lifts up out of the water and you see it splash and create a large wave. At least a mile from the shore, 30 seconds, a minute passes. 
and you see a large wave roll its way up to the shore and come to a calm, settling halt only a few feet from you as you turn and make your way back towards the jungle. Um, so what would Haley like to do? These, just to be clear, these are memories, but they are also, mm. you guys have a lot of narrative pull in these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be very handheld. Hey, before heading, heading into the uh, jungle, would just ceremoniously bow to the uh, Dragon Island Turtle and then turn back and head to the jungle. Okay. As you bow your head and lift, you hear a faint bellow. It almost sounds like whale song come from the distance in recognition to your bow. And it's kind of absurd because it's so far away, but it's somehow, you're not sure if it responded to that or it's just coincidence or strange. Um, and you turn and make your way through the jungle pathway that leads back to the main part of your settlement where you live. After some time, you weave through the hot and humid jungle as you feel the morning sun getting higher and higher and the humidity is rising more and more. And you make your way to the gates of where you study. Uh, It's called the Hall of Heroes. And... In front of you, you see this large, delicately built, but masterful wooden structure with a pair of large, large, deeply carved wooden doors covered in these gorgeous sprawling motifs that the closer you look, the closer you get to it, it seems like the detail is never ending. It just continuously goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Like You could look at it with a magnifying glass and still find things years later. I kind of just close my eyes and just, con- just continue on. Okay. Um, so ahead of you, you see the, the door is slightly ajar, maybe 30 feet away or so. And you make your way up and you slip in through the doors into the darkness of this place. And the halls are, for everyone else, they would be abnormally quiet. Um, but for you, this is pretty familiar um, because as usual, you're a little bit late and everyone has kind of assembled and made their way to their classrooms and their facilities where they're supposed to be so these walks up to class are usually silent and kind of peaceful for you the hall of heroes is this it opens up with this large super high ceilinged room with these tall delicately carved limestone pillars that go all the way up to the ceiling it's almost hard to see the top and in between each one you can see series of these beautifully illustrated vellum banners Um, And each one tells a story. Um, And as you make your way through, you pass by one that shows a valiant hero with a large polished shield fighting a massive multi-headed serpent creature. And you pass by another that shows um, an individual with long hair pulled back in a ponytail and their foot is on top of a monster that looks like a three-headed dog and spouting from its mouth is flames. And you make your way through the silence, through all of these stories of your people, off through the main corridor and down to the side. You know your cl- the classroom where you're supposed to be is maybe five-minute walk from where you currently are. Is Haley one to wander, or would you head right there? I mean, you're already late. Haley's going to head right there, seeing as he's already late. Okay. Um, you make your way down the halls. I'm not going to make you roll for anything like this because you're, you're familiar with this place. Um, and after a few minutes, you make your way to the classroom 
inside you can hear the familiar voice of your teacher, Arcanus Keinu. And she's going through her normal speech about the Wayfinders and how they're important. You can hear her voice is muffled from the other side of the door. Uh, what do you do? So Haley would do his best to slowly turn the handle and just open the door as slow, as like quiet as possible. Okay. And try to creep in. Okay. Can you roll me a stealth check? Sure, sure. Uh, 16. Okay. You reach down and turn the handle and gently sway the door open. And you can see Arcanus Kinu is standing at the front of his classroom. And there are these simple carved wooden desks. Um, most of them look like they're carved out of some sort of fine bamboo. They have this kind of light um, tannish color to them all. They look very lightweight. And in this room, you see a dozen other students easily. And each of them are organized and refined. You see one student that has all of their books stacked up neatly by size. It looks like a a gradient of size from the smallest book to the largest um, in this perfectly delicate slope. And next to them, you see another tabaxi who her fur is black and spotted. And all of her books are organized by color. She has a little pencil cup full of pencils that are also organized by how much time they all have left in this perfect little slope. It's unnerving to you. And the arcanist has her back to you. She's reaching up to the board and pointing to um, a diagram. You're familiar with it a little. There are arcane symbols and things like that, stuff that's common with wizardry, um, not necessarily your magic, which is a unit. Um, but it doesn't seem anyone has noticed you. What do you do? I look for the closest uh, chair to the door. It's open. Okay. Um, as usual, there's a seat in the front, two in, um, that you could easily take. Hmm. All right. I attempt to creep in, trying my best to make eye contact with everybody and uh, telling them to shush. You step in, and the arcanist is still, she points to a symbol on the board. This one speaks of conjuration. And you see a couple kids nod, and one of your classmates sees you sneaking in, and you see a gr like a small grin crawl across their face. Um, as you gently close the door behind you and you sneak over to this desk and sit down. And as you do, can you roll me a D20? Sure, sure. 16. 16. Okay. Um, that was to see if anything weird happens. <laughs> Damn. Um, you slip into this desk and put your pack to the side and your chair doesn't even squeak. It's flawless. And Arcanist Kenya turns her head and looks to all the class looks to all your classmates and you, and then points back up to the board and points to another symbol and another symbol and is slowly walking them through. You somehow flawlessly snuck into this classroom with, without her <laughs> even noticing. Um, it's a good memory. How does Haley arrange his desk? Uh, Haley just reaches into his bag, grabs the first piece of paper, puts it down, and starts writing on it, even though there might be other classes' notes on it. Okay. This big patchwork. It's like one big sheet. It's almost like those cheat sheets, uh, the cheat sheets that um, like high school teachers would allow you to have every once in a while, but it was just filled to the brim with notes. Mm -hmm. And you take it out and start scrawling. The lesson continues without much 
issue. It's the, it's the normal rant every at the beginning of every long one of these longer classes that you attend. Um, they go over magic theory, which to you isn't. Would Haley care about that kind of thing? Haley would be interested, but wouldn't be able to pay attention. Okay. And after some time, your attention starts to drift, as usual. And you see another student sitting two or three desks behind you. And they've taken some paper from their books and balled them up. And one sails in your direction and just harmlessly passes by you and bounces off the board. And the teacher spins around fury in her eyes and how does Haley react to this she's not looking at Uh, you she's just aware of the interruption Haley is rigid his tail is pointing in a general vicinity toward uh back not towards anybody just back um so the arcanist she looks at the piece of paper gestures with her hands and you see the paper this balled up wad of paper lift up and sail right into the trash can and she goes, oh, Haley, I, uh, I did not see you there. You've been extra quiet today. What do you do? Yep. Uh, I say, should I take that as a note? Um, she smiles and takes notice of your <laughs> scrawling note page. I wonder how you can read any of that. Um, she has this look on her face like she tolerates that you do this. Because just clearly by her demeanor and how she dresses she's a very organized woman um and she goes i think that is enough lecture for today now let's get to the more practical side of our teachings and you see her take her her hands and clap them together and like clockwork the rest of the students around you all stand up and she waves her hand and one by one the desks the now empty desks start to slide off to the side and the students start to arrange themselves in a circle, which is pretty normal. Um, what does Haley do? Uh, Haley goes in, tries to find the closest spot, or yeah, the closest spot in the circle. Okay. Um, you nudge in just fine in between two of your classmates, the black spotted tabaxi. Um, actually, this is a good question. Are all the people on your island tabaxi? Or is it the like majority. a mixed race? A majority? Okay. There are a few that were part of other uh, story-stealers' story uh, parties who ended up being allowed to stay. Okay. Um, so you managed to slot yourself in right in between this black-spotted tabaxi and another tabaxi who has a, this kind of tiger-striped pattern, and they are built like a truck. And the larger one looks to you and... <laughs> just blows a bit of air out of their nose and steps to the side to let you in. And in the center of this circle, Arcanist Keinu, she begins to trace a circle on the floor and she looks to you. Hey, Le, I guess we can start with you. Is that okay? Mm. And she waves her hand forward for you to step out of the circle into the center. I'll stumble forward. <laughs> okay. Um, you, you stumble forward a little bit and you hear, she like blows a little air out of her nose. She, she says, so class, magic and its practical applications are all about precise control and intent. And she waves her hand towards you and the air around you suddenly smells like lilac. And then she goes, all of you. 
will eventually one day have finite control over your magic and absolute certainty. As she waves her hand again, the air suddenly smells like rotten eggs. And she says, absolute certainty of what you would like your magic to do. And she looks to you. Hele, have you been practicing the practical applications of the magic we have been going over? The air still smells like rotten eggs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nose is all scrunched up, yeah. Could you demonstrate for the class the spell you have been working on? Sure. Haley attempts to cast Minor Illusion to make himself look like uh, his black-spotted friend. Ooh, okay. Roll me a... You can cast this without problem, but roll me a d20. All right. 13. 13. Okay. You know what? Instead, roll me a d100. All right. Just one of them or both? Um, It's essentially 2d10. All right. Just want to make sure. The first one's a 1. 61. Okay. Um, You raise your hand. And what does it look like when you cast this cantrip? My hand starts to glow, and then it just fades into whatever uh, appears. Okay, so almost like you're doing a reveal trick, where as you run your hand over yourself, your color and your look changes. And Mm -hmm. to your surprise, it works. Your fur is now midnight black and covered in these white spots, and you look exactly like your classmate, and you hear her go, and you see like a smirk on her face, like she's proud that you just did this. And then your teacher goes, so Hele, that is, that is very good. I'm proud to see you have advanced in the precise control of your magic. How, how did that feel? Uh, normal, I guess. Um, and as you open your mouth to speak, you notice that it didn't turn out as well as you wanted. Um, because when you open your mouth and start to speak, you're yelling. And you see your teacher's like subtle smile turn to a frown. She goes, it looks like there is still some room left for improvement. Um, And she's kind of tapping her foot impatiently. You're kind of used to this. Um, It seems no matter how hard you try, every time you do your magic, something funky happens. For the next hour or so, you train with this professor. Each student goes through and shows off their signature magic. And then... There, you each take some time practicing. What are other spells that Haley likes to cast? Other types of magic? Uh, Mage Hand and Firebolt would be the other two. Okay, so you practice these spells. Can you roll me a d100 again? Sure, 45. Um, while you are casting your Mage Hand, you just instinctively reach out for something across the room, and then as you do, you your feet lift off the ground as you accidentally cast levitate on yourself and Mm -hmm. you kind of hover and struggle for a little bit and your black spotted friend she grabs your ankle and pulls you back down to the ground and this kind of repeats for the rest of your session where every time you cast magic it just doesn't go exactly right and then you come to your last spell that you're practicing firebolt um how or what might you try and cast this at in the classroom uh i guess it would just be at the door Okay, um, roll me one more d100. 15. Okay, so what happens here is you, you aim at this door and let loose a small bolt of fire. 
and it sails from your hands and zips right past the teacher's ears, almost catching them. And she ducks down. And she goes, hey, Lei, be more careful with you. And then you feel as all the fur on your face starts to Ooh. start to turn into feathers as you grow this magnificent beard of feathers. And then <laughs> almost as if it's the exact opposite of what you wanted to happen, water starts pouring from your hands. Um, can you roll me a, you're charisma based? Can you roll me yes. a charisma check? Or charisma saving throw? Damn it. That's not good. Uh, six. Oh, okay. You, I have a little table here of things that could have just happened and you hit the bottom. <laughs> cool. cool. You're, you're standing there and water starts to pour from your hands and it's, Pouring further and further and further as you have an inch, a half inch of water start to rise from the floor and the tears just, oh no, oh, not again. Um, everyone out of the room and you see her standing in front of you start to weave magic through the air. Um, you recognize it because every once in a while your magic runs a little too rampant and she's trying to dispel the magic and she raises her hand out with this um, weaving of arcane webs. It looks like spider webs being woven between her fingers. She goes to stretch them out as these threads of light go to wrap around you and dispel this insanely wild magic you've just created. And then <laughs> you vanish. Hey, everybody. So this is the last backstory episode for our adventurers. I hope you've enjoyed this little detour so far. And on our next episode, we're getting back into the meat of it. And at the end of this episode, you'll find a sneak peek if you stick around. So, the usual. You can find us in a bunch of fun places, which we've laid out for you on our website at www.toapodcast.com. There you can find all the cool stuff we're working on and all of our community pages, and also where to watch the show. We're also on Twitter now, so give us a follow at Tales of Asperon. That's A-S-P-E-R-R-A-N. It's a little tricky. We release episodes every other Friday, so I'll be seeing you again on August 2nd. Alright, let's get back to the show. Figure out where Haley vanished to. Oh, good. And you're in the air. And, again, you smell salt. Like salt water. And you look down, 30 feet below you, you can see the surf of the ocean. What do you do as you descend towards the surface? I begin to panic. I start trying to, like, you know, claw my way up in the air, realize it's not working, and I just try to dive. Like a Looney Tunes? Um, roll yep. me an acrobatics check. Alright, 14 plus 2. 16. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So, as you're falling down, you start to scream, you start to claw at the air like some kind of Looney Tunes character, and you can feel the feathers on your beard lifting up and scratching against your face, and it's irritating. But you manage to right yourself as you fall and you dive into the water and you impact with the surface and go right under this rough and turbulent surf. And then you see something quite shocking. Inches from you, you see the face of a massive, it looks like a snapping turtle, easily a hundred feet across as you have landed immediately in front of the most dangerous creature that lives in your home, the dragon turtle. What do you do? I attempt to go as 
stand as straight as I can underwater, and bow. <laughs> roll me, hmm, roll me a just charisma check because this is hilarious. Sixteen. Okay. Um, you're kind of tumbling a little in the water and you manage to right yourself a little bit and mock a bow. It's very hard just because you don't have anything to put your feet on to even get leverage. And as you bow, you hear this thundering sound come from the creature. Um, it shakes your body to your core, but it almost feels like the same whale song you heard before. And this creature starts to swim forward and its mouth opens and its maul is heading towards you. What do you do? I, I just, you know, stay bowed. Um, okay. Roll me, um, another D 100. All right. Oopsie. 18. Gotta open up my table again. <laughs> okay. So as you bow again, your body starts to shake and you can feel this magic, this residual magic still coursing through you, untamed, unable to be controlled. And from every pore of your body, you release a black cloud of liquid, like a squid. And in this total darkness, your eyes burn a bit from the salt water and you just hear silence. And after a moment, this cloud of grease is pulled away in the current and you see the dragon turtle again floating in front of you but this time its mouth is closed and its head is tilted curiously to the side and it opens its maw and you feel a magic some kind of power wash over you and you watch as from this creature's mouth bubbles start to appear which warp and warble and change some of them turn into feathers. Some of them turn into little motes of fire. And this creature bows its head to you. The magic that just washed over you felt the same as the magic that you wield. This untamed wild magic. What do you do? I just stand there astonished. Stunned. In this stunned silence, the dragon turtle swims forward to you. And... You feel your body land on the peak of its brow and it swims to the surface. The pressure of the water over your face is monumental because of the size of this creature. And in a moment, you breach the surface of the water. And then you're in the air as you and the dragon turtle have sailed out of the water. And then a large impact and the waves around you slosh out. And you notice that the ocean, which before was virulent and dangerous where you just were, is now very calm. And the creature opens its mouth and bellows another whale song. Is it speaking draconic? Because I understand draconic. Um, it is not. Okay. Um, what would you like to do? So I'm on the surface of the water or in the air? You and the dragon turtle have impacted on the water and you're just bobbing on the surface. On its back, you can see this massive island shape covered in moss and waterlogged trees that have been, have grown on its carapace. I attempt to use Mage Hand to scratch it on the neck. Oh, okay. You raise out your hand to cast this, this magic again. And for the first time, it does exactly what you want. And as you feel this gentle 
you kind of scratch underneath of its chin, you feel a rumble in your chest and the creature speaks and in Draconic, you hear it say, you are free as I am. And its head turns and goes, I have needed that. (laughs) And it starts to swim towards the shore. And as you're riding on top of its head, you f- you feel its voice bellow through your chest. What is your name, young one? I was kind of neep out of Hele. I shall call you my friend, Hele. And the two of you slowly make your way back to the shore. And this monumental creature, it, it bows its head down and allows you to climb off. And once again, your feet are in this soft black sand of the shores of your home and the dragon turtle is just sitting here regarding you what do you do i in my broken and not great draconic say thank you my friend and then bow and then walk to the uh, jungle as you do um you hear the dragon <laughs> chuckle a little and you get the sense that maybe one of your orgs didn't come out right. And this creature turns on the shore, leaving these big tracks of sand as its um, fins dig down into the sand and leave these trenches behind as it turns and starts to swim away. Hela, you walk calmly back through the jungle path towards where your classes take place. Waterlogged, the fur on your face is still feathers. Some of them are starting to fall out. And then Haley's eyes open and you're lying in the clearing. Immediately to your left is the dragon, which you and your allies have restrained. It's still unconscious, lying in the meadow next to you silently. And in your hand, you feel a cold yet familiar weight. As you see, you look down and see the carved idol of the dragon turtle, which you spent all of your time traveling to this place carving as you go. What does Haley do? Haley will just kind of pet it and, and just think to himself how much he misses his friend. Um, and in your head, you feel a bit of a familiar warmth of that memory and maybe just... Maybe. You know what? Roll me a d20. Okay. 11. You just passed my DC. In the back of your mind, you hear the same subtle whale song that you heard coming from your friend when you first met. Since the light of the great birch escaped its crystalline prison, the forest surrounding this desecrated grove has grown substantially since our adventurers fell unconscious. The surrounding brush has grown tremendously, and the trees have grown taller in mere moments. From within the surrounding forest, we hear a metallic click echo through the wood. Again and again, the sound of metal grinding against stone breaks the silence of this night. Then, at the edge of the tree line, we see a face illuminated by the soft red light of a freshly lit cigar. Illuminated by that same light, we see a hand pocket a small silver lighter. 
Upon the back of this figure's palm rests a worn and cracked visage of a boulder, crossed by two hammers, a tattoo forged by a steady hand. As the figure steps towards the light of the clearing, we hear the metal spurs of her boots clink softly in the night. At her feet, the ground is ruptured as a small armadillo breaks the surface of the earth and regards her for a moment. She nods in understanding and the creature burrows below once again. Then, as our adventurers stir, she takes a confident stride into the clearing, hammer in hand. Well, I'll be damned by the gods themselves. It looks like the hard work has already been done for me. Thanks for sticking around in the end, and I really hope you enjoyed the show. In the final narration there, we used a track by Kevin McLeod called The Dread, which you can find on their website at incomputech.com. They offer a wide variety of Creative Commons music that you can use pretty often as long as you credit them, um, and he does really great work. Check him out. Anyway, spread the word, share the show, you know the gist of it. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you on August 2nd when our next episode launches. Stay safe and see you soon.